But now, he didn't have money all of a sudden. Now he was living, so he lived on both sides of it. And he was saying, I've learned how to live and be content if I got it or if I don't got it. Okay, now, I want, this is really one that really, I feel like we've got to get this one about being content. I think we've got to get it with our money. I think we've got to get it with our life. Because I think that's really, that's been, that was been a, a weakness in my life, an area where I felt like I've stumbled for years, is being discontent with my life, being discontent with what I had. And, I, and because I was, and I'm not talking about just money, but just in every area of my life, I was, a, I was basically, it was, it was never good enough. Never had enough, wanted more, never, nothing was ever, I was never contented with anything. And God began to deal with me and, and began to show me, Byron, you've, you've got to learn to live with less. You've got to learn how to be little instead of always wanting to be big. You've got to learn how to, how to not have money and you've got to learn how to have money. Because, see, I grew up not having nothing. We, I mean, our economy, when I was a, in my family growing up, we... We didn't have an economy. We lived from, you know, paycheck to paycheck, and we lived rough. It was just, we lived just to have food on the table. We didn't have nothing. We would be poverty. I mean, I'm living like a king compared to the way I was raised. We didn't even have a bathroom in our house. We couldn't afford one. That's how poor we were. We were poor people. We were the kind of people that nobody liked to hang around with because we were poor you know, we our pants would, you know, if you stay slim in your waist, which I always did, you just you just hook on, you know, cut thing off and sew something on the bottom to make them longer so they wouldn't be raised up up here. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't no fat. It was not even the option. See, I never went out to eat until I got left my home, until I grew up and became a man. We couldn't afford it. Going on vacation was going to visit our cousins. And we would stop on the side of the road to out to eat would be eat cold fried chicken that we fried at home. But people today don't think that way. Yet, God could bring us back to those kinds of things. And I've always said, Lord, you know, in some sense, we'd be better never had anything than tasted something then had to go back. And the Lord's saying, that's not what the Bible says. Byron, you need to learn how to be content in whatever situation you find in your life. And it, learn, everybody say Learn. It's, in, you don't just, it's not natural. Let me just read this one. Turn over to First Timothy. I want to read this. This was really convicting to me. This is one of the scriptures the Lord really used to speak to me. Because here's the thing. I've concluded, you know, here's the opposite of being content. is strife. If we're not content, we're striving. And I've come to the point in my life, I can't deal with striving to do stuff very much anymore. I, in fact, I, don't, I have very little tolerance. When I get around a bunch of striving and... I'm thinking, I, I can't take this, Lord, you know. Cause, and the reason I can't, I spent most of my life striving. So now I'm on the other end of the thing is, if this is going to, if, if we're going to do this, and all it's going to be is a bunch of strife and striving to do it, I'm not doing it. I'm out of it. I don't care what it is. I'm out. Count, count Byron Wicker out of that. And we need to have that kind of heart. Because it's not, are y'all with me? you got that look on you. First Timothy 6, 3, I'm just telling you how I feel. It says, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, and evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt mind and destitute of the truth, who suppose, listen to this, who suppose that godliness 
is a means of gain, or godliness is, is a gain. That's what, it, that's what it really says in the Greek. From such, withdraw yourself. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing. Nothing! Nothing! We're not going to carry anything out. And I'm not even talking about money now. I'm talking about whatever we do here in this world. We're not going to carry it out with us. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. This is the Bible. Are we content with food and clothing? You know, every time I start complaining, the Lord asks me how much weight I've lost. And I can say, I'm not losing, Lord. I'm trying to keep from gaining. But those who desire to be rich, anybody here desire to be rich, this is what the Bible's going to say to you. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. I, I mean, there's no way of getting around these verses. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Actually, for the love of money is a root of all evil. All evil. That kinds of is not in the Greek. They just threw it in there. Which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. See what it'll do to you? Love of money. Trying to be rich. And pierce themselves through with many sorrows. That's, that's what's going to happen to us if, if that's what it is. Now, here, here's the thing. The Bible says an inheritance gained hastily at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. Now, here's what we need to say to, to the next generation. Listen, you want it all right now. Don't get it all right now. Don't get it all right now. You want to have the same house that your parent has, or maybe better. You want to drive the same cars they drive. I'm just talking about in the natural. I'm not even talking about spiritually. I mean, you can't even get people to wait naturally. Good gosh, when you start talking to them about waiting and last, allowing the Lord to deal with them so they can come into their calling and their ministry, they ain't nobody want to hear that. They want it all today, but the Bible's clear. And you see, here's what happens. Many people have been financially ruined because they've come into finances too soon. In other words, you don't hand an 18-year-old young man $5 million. I know people personally that were excellent athletes in high school. Baseball players. I played baseball. I, I was wishing I was one that, that was that good, that got, con that got contracts with major league teams. And they got like $50,000, you know, as a signing bonus. Here these boys, were high school kids, suddenly had $50,000. You know what they did with that $50,000? They drank it and smoked it and snorted it away and never got to play major league baseball because they ruined their life on drugs. They couldn't handle it. It was, it was craziness. And what we need to do is, and, and we need to apply this to our ministries. Are we unhappy with what God has given us? And all this discontentment, this is not good enough. We need a bigger church. We need a more parking lot. We need this. We need that. We're not even content with what we have. Something's wrong with that kind of thinking in the church today. Where everybody's clamoring for more, and it's got to be bigger, and it's got to be better. And, you, you know, because I've got to be the person to go wipe or clean the commode, I'm unhappy. You know, because I can't afford to buy a janitor to do it for me. Something's wrong with that kind of thinking, I believe. I believe it's a discontentment that's not from God. This is what Jesus said. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. Don't you see it's a test to us? That God tests us with little to see how we're going to use it, how we're going to respond to it. 
And if our response is discontentment and it's not good enough and we complain and whine constantly, we failed the test. And guess what? God's committed to us passing the test. So guess what we're going to get to do? Take the test again. Over and over and over until we pass it. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Which means you get stuck in this cycle of not having enough. Because you're complaining, you're failing tests, and God says, I want you to pass this test. I'm telling you the answers. Here's the answer. And he who is unjust and was least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful, here's the answer to the test. In the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another's means, who will give you what is your own? Let me say something. If you can't be faithful in somebody else's ministry, why do you think God's going to trust one to you? We really need to hear this stuff. Because we're in the, you know, society that says, let me have it all right now. You know, this thing of having to go through failure and stuff, nobody wants to do it. But that's the way of the cross, it's death. Are y'all with me? It's the truth. I'm telling you the truth this morning. You don't want to get an inheritance too soon at the beginning, and in the end it's not blessed. Oh, I, it was a flash in the pan, a prima donna. Do you want to be one of those? I don't. Do you want to have your, your five minutes of fame and five minutes in the limelight, but there's thousands of other minutes where you're going to be so abased and messed up because you weren't willing to allow the Lord to do what He needed to do in your life and bring you into what He wants to bring you into. And listen, I'm, I hate it as much as anybody because I don't feel like God's brought me into what I'm wanting to get into, and I feel like I've been around a while. <laughs> Many times uh, we also fail the test of plenty, okay? We fail the test of plenty. See, some people have plenty, but they're still not satisfied. They're focused on what they don't have. You see what I'm saying? So we have plenty. We don't realize what we've got. We're focused on what we don't have, and we fail the test of plenty there. And then God lets us get into a place where we really are in a wanting situation. We realize, man, I didn't know how great I had it. Are you all okay? I'm just telling you, all right, the last one. See, you didn't want to remember all this stuff anyway. <laughs> you can read it in the Bible. The last one is, is cool. Go back to Philippians. Y'all think I was being hard just then? I'm telling you it's the truth. I'm telling you it's the truth. And we really need to hear I need to hear it. We all need to hear it. Um, like I say, the reason I have a lot of passion on that is because I'm a person who lived in discontentment. I know what that does to you. And I know how to get, and, I, and God's delivered me from that for the most part. And I'm out of that, and I'm seeing things from a whole different perspective. I'm thankful for stuff now that I never was thankful for. Boy. You know what discontentment will do to you? This is, why, this is how hideous it is. It'll cause the people that you love the most, you, you will see nothing but fault in them. And you'll say, I wish, you know, they were like whatever. Isn't that hideous? That's hideous. That's wicked. Husbands get dissatisfied with their wife. They get discontent with their wife. They have the most wonderful wife in the world, and now they're discontent with them and start looking, you know, looking the other way. It happens all the time. That's how hideous discontentment is. Paul said we need to learn how to be abased, and we need to learn how to, be abound, to abound. We need to learn that. We need to allow the Lord to work it into our lives. You know, and the Lord himself, it says, even though he was rich, he gave up everything for us. He just became poverty-stricken for us. That's what the Lord did. You know, so he knew, how, he, knew, he knew how to live rich, and he knew how to live poor. All right, the last one is in verse 19. Just jump down to verse 19, Philippians 
It says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches. All right, here's, this is what I think is important, okay? Number one, okay, in the Scripture, when we look at the Scripture, we need to see what the Scripture is telling us, okay? The, the what. Learn how to be a base. Learn how to abound. That's a what. We need to know that. Number two, we need to know how am I going to learn that? Okay? How is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? How is I, if I will walk in the Spirit, I can do that. If I walk in the flesh, I can't because I can't do anything spiritual in the flesh. Nothing. I'm totally unspiritual when I'm in the flesh. Totally. So I have to say the how is walking in the Spirit. The how is yielding myself to the Spirit of, of Christ, to the Holy Spirit, to the Holy Ghost, whatever you want to call Him. He doesn't really, he's not really hung up on names, you know. But if we, as we yield ourselves to Him and, la- and allow Him to release His life in and through us, that's how. So you got your what and you got your how, and then you've got to have this who thing, which I believe is the Lord God Himself, that God Himself, the Father of, of creation, we commit everything to Him because God is the one who supplies all things to us. So here's a great me- little thing for everybody who preaches. You should try to have those three elements in your messages. You should have a what, you should have a how, and we sh- you should have a who. You got that, preachers? Because if you don't have those three parts, you're sort of missing people. You can tell them what all day, but they're going to walk away frustrated. Um, but this is the truth. We need to commit our finances to God. And everybody whines and complains about the 10%. Oh, you know, that was the Old Testament. You know, but you know what? Really and truly, what our heart needs to be is, Lord, we give everything to you. You got my money. You got my bank account. What do you want to do with it now? Are y'all with me on that? That's really what God wants us to do. And God may say, well, give that neighbor 50 bucks. Give that neighbor 100. They may not need 50 bucks as far as you're concerned. You see, but when we give it to God, then the 10% issue that people have that we need to get over just becomes a non-issue because it's 100% God's. And I know that sounds radical, and nobody really wants to practically do it, but I believe if we can come to a place where we really commit our finances to God and say, God, I just turn it over to you. You're in control. I'm going to let you do it you know, through Christ who strengthens me. Then I think God will carry us through the blowing, the economic blowing that God's going to do, that He is going to blow on the economies of the world. He's going to blow. The economy of the United States is not protected. You know, it's a house of cards like every other economy in the world. And when God blows on it, I would rather be standing on a rock of Christ than have built my whole financial structure on what the world says and what I thought. You hear what I'm saying to you? Amen. That's the message. So everybody, let's stand up so we can be dismissed. Now, I know you've probably got all these ifs, ands, and what abouts. Hey, it works. You know, God's Word works, and we have to really come to that place. I think the first point I made, this, this is what's going to make this work. Stand firm in Christ. Don't depend on your flesh. Don't depend on your ability. Don't depend on what Wall Street experts say. You've got to depend on what God says. If we will build our lives on those things, then I believe we can be successful financially. 
and whatever successful financially is. It, you may be rich. You know, you may have lots. You may not. I'm not promising any of that. You know, I'm just saying, I'm just saying this, folks. I believe there's financial hardships coming to America. And I believe now's the time for us to really say, Lord, we really want to start living according to what the Word of God teaches if we haven't been. And we just ask you for mercy today on us, Lord. And, Lord, I don't want to see the economy in the United States fail. I really don't. I want to see us prosper as a nation. I, I really do, Lord. I appreciate, you know, that the United States of America has been a prosperous nation. We've helped missionaries all over the world. We've fed most of the world, Lord. And we thank you for that. And we're not asking you to, to do anything. I'm not asking you to blow, Lord. Because, Lord, I can even honestly stand here today. If you blew on me today, I think you'd blow me right away, Lord. But, Lord, here's what we are asking you. We're asking you that we would have grace in our hearts. We would have grace in our hearts with our finances. That our finances would be according to the way you want it to be. Whatever it is for every individual, Lord. I pray that, Lord Jesus. And I ask you, Lord, if, if we have sinned against you financially in any way, Lord, if we've been discontent, if we, have been, if we haven't given to you liberally, Lord, whatever it may be, Lord, Lord, if we have disunity in our families and our business, Lord, I pray you'd forgive us, Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, today. Have mercy. Lord, we cry out to you for mercy. That's what we really ask you. We ask you for mercy on our finances. Have mercy on us, Lord, and help us, God. Help us, God. Speak to our hearts. Well, I pray that this word, your word, would find good ground in this, in this room today. It would find ground and it would live, Lord. And we wouldn't reject, Lord, what the Scripture teaches, Lord. We thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, well, we're just going to be dismissed now and, you know...